Welcome to the weekly podcast of Science in the City, the public gateway to the New York Academy of Sciences. We're online at scienceandthecity.org. Today is Friday, April 10th, 2009. I'm Alana Rankin. Jan LeCun, a computer scientist at NYU, has been fascinated by artificial intelligence since he first saw 2001 A Space Odyssey at age 10. I have to say, that movie didn't do anything for me. But for Lacan, it inspired him to pursue a career in machine learning, teaching computers how to think and learn like us. This week, we look at some of Lacan's research and recent discoveries. He's teaching robots to see, and you'll be surprised where his programs turn up. In May of 1959, British novelist and physicist C.P. Snow delivered his infamous Two Cultures lecture. What he didn't know was that the gap between science and the humanities he so vividly described would still persist 50 years later. That's why on May 9, 2009, Science in the City, the Science Communication Consortium, Science Debate 2008, and Discover Magazine bring you Two Cultures in the 21st Century, a full-day conference bringing together visionaries, scientists, authors, and the media to explore the persistence of the two cultures gap and how it can be overcome. Join Pulitzer Prize winner E.O. Wilson, former Congressman John Porter, Segway inventor and entrepreneur Dean Kamen, and many others at this historic event. Early bird pricing until April 10th. For more information and tickets, please visit www.nyas.org forward slash two cultures. A few weeks ago, I noticed something different about the ATMs at my bank. Instead of needing to pop the checks I wanted to deposit in an envelope, the ATM insisted that I could skip the envelope and slide my checks into the machine as they were. This in itself didn't really impress me, but what did was when the ATM knew exactly how much the check was for, despite the messy handwriting of the person who wrote me the check, and it knew it only seconds after I deposited it. Fluke, I thought. But sure enough, every time I deposit a check, my bank's ATM instantly reads the handwriting and they've never gotten it wrong. This brings me to today because I'm sitting in the office of the man who taught my bank's ATMs to read that messy handwriting. So my name is Yann Lequin, or Yann Lequin if you want to pronounce it this side of the pond. I'm a computer scientist at uh, New York University at the Courant Institute of Mathematical Sciences. I work on something called automatic machine learning, which is a branch of artificial intelligence and robotics and computer vision. And I also try to figure out how the brain works. Well, I've always been fascinated by uh, what is intelligence. I mean, there are sort of a few really grand scientific questions of our day. Things like, you know, what's the universe made of? What's life? And one a big one is, how does the brain work? What's intelligence? And I'm not a biologist. I'm an engineer, really. And so one way of an engineer tries to understand something is by building it. It's by reproducing it in uh, sort of artificial implements. Lacan works on teaching robots to see. He uses human and animal models of vision and tries to replicate our brain steps for seeing in his computers. This is much harder than it sounds. We know a lot about the human visual system through psychophysics, but we know a lot more about the visual systems of animals through neuroscience and anatomy and things like this. 
and neurophysiology. But in reality, they're not that different from each other. Small mammals have simpler vision systems than we, than we have, but the underlying principles are pretty much the same. I mean, we know the brain is built out of neurons that are connected to each other, billions of them, hundreds of millions for a rat, tens of millions for a mouse, hundreds of thousands for an insect, maybe about a million for a bee or something like that. What produces the function of the brain is, is the way those neurons are connected to each other and the strength of the connections between the, the neurons. So what we try to do with computers is kind of simulate this on a computer, sort of have simulated neurons that are connected to each other, and the, the strength of the connections are what constitutes the function of, of that simulated uh, neural network. We call, we call that artificial neural networks. Simulating a neural network is only one step in the vision process. One of the unique things about vision is that it's believed to be a learned sense. We aren't born knowing what an airplane looks like. We have to be shown a few examples of planes before we get the idea. Some people believe that a lot of the visual system is pretty much built before you're born. I mean, it's certainly true for insects that a lot of it is built before they're born. For mammals, though, many of us believe that much of it is essentially learned. The sort of very low-level part of it, the, the thing that's directly connected to your, to your eye or to your retina, is learned within minutes after birth, or even probably in the womb already. It's pre-learned a little bit, but it's essentially learned, and certainly the higher brain functions are, are learned. It looks like the brain uses kind of a, some sort of learning procedure that it applies to everything, not just vision, not just language, not just those particular functions, but just about every function is a result of some sort of learning. And some of us are working with the hypothesis that there is a single learning world that the brain uses and we're trying to look for it. It's, it's not at all certain that such a learning world exists, but if there, if there is one, it's certainly worth looking for. Lacan thinks the learning procedure in our brain is likely made up of a number of steps that our brain has to take to categorize or learn something. He's managed to simulate some of these steps, or layers as they're called, in his computer models. He uses algorithms to help his machines think through a vision problem, much like we would. The layers are very much like the layers in the, in, in the brain. So the, the signal, when you're looking at something, your retina produces a signal that goes down to your uh, optical nerve, and then goes up to the brain, and it goes through the brain through several layers of processing, if you want. So the first layer does something like detecting little edges, you know, little transitions between bright spots and dark spots, like the contour of an object or things like this. And then the second layer will assemble this into kind of little motifs, and then those would be assembled by the next layer into parts, and then the next layer up will assemble this into objects, and then scenes, and things like that. And so the, these are the, the various layers. And one of the things that people in artificial intelligence or machine learning have been struggling with is that, until recently, we didn't have models that could learn more than essentially one or two layers. We had some models that could learn five or six layers, but they, but they required a lot of training samples, as I was explaining earlier. So what we've been able to do in, in more recent years using the, uh, a technique that we call deep learning is uh, a train uh, a system that has lots of layers, like the human visual system or the mammalian visual system, and in an unsupervised fashion by just showing it images without telling it what the images are. And it automatically learns to detect edges at the first layer and then motifs at the second layer and then parts of the third layer and then objects at the fourth layer, etc. And so once it's kind of trained itself on images like this, it's very easy to show it just a few examples of each object and, and teach it to just give a name to these objects, essentially. So back to my bank machine. This is exactly what Lacan did when he wrote a program to teach a computer to read human handwriting. So this was developed when I was at uh, AT&T Bell Labs. We had the idea pretty long ago to kind of get inspiration from biology to build those systems and to train them, and it turned out to work really well for handwriting recognition. And the reason is probably because, if you think about it, handwriting, like speech, is designed to be understood by people, by brains, essentially. Lacan's handwriting software is more than 10 years old, 
and it hit European banks in the mid-1990s. What brings it to my bank today in real time, he says, is faster computers and tweaks to the program that make it better at reading. I decide I have to see this program in action. So Lacan pulls out his laptop. He's got a small portable webcam plugged into it, and the Lunette program is open on the screen. We are also ready to do a little bit of handwriting. All right, we have a piece of paper and a big marker. Piece of paper and a big marker. Okay. So I can draw a bunch of characters, let's say. We've drawn the number 63. 63, and then I'm pointing the webcam at it, and it says... So we've got this program pulled up on the computer screen that the webcam is basically synced through it, and it's it recognizes pixels, right? Is that what it does? Yeah, so it takes a, a, a picture of, of the characters as kind of pixels, and then runs them through this simulated neural network and, you know, figures out what category this is. And, this is. and so, yeah, so basically that's what you've done, is you've created a program that can recognize categories. So even though my handwriting is different than yours, that's right. um, it still knows that a six is a six despite exactly. the thickness or the... Yeah. So the difference between, you know, say we're talking about check reading technology, where right. some people print and some people use cursive and some yeah. people use all capital letters and some people use lowercase. Do you have to teach the, the computer the difference between kind of cursive and printing? So you have, to, you have to teach it everything. So that's the problem with those neural networks is that you have to cover the set of things that it's going to see pretty well when you train it. And so it needs to see tens of thousands of, of characters before you can do a good job. And I and guess the, the more examples you give it, the more accurate the program will be? Exactly. Okay. And if, if, you, uh, if you train it with, with handwriting, it's not going to be able to recognize printed. And if you only train it with printed, it's not going to be able to recognize handwriting. Mm -hmm. But if you train it on both, it's probably going to be able to do a good job at both. In fact, the check readers that we built actually had two different systems for printed and handwritten checks. It would first identify if the check was printed and handwritten and then use two different systems to uh, recognize them. To train the Lynette program, Lacan used thousands of handwriting samples taken from government census forms. A pretty fair representation of handwriting out there, I'd say. To train other versions of the program, Lacan and his team have also used information from banks. What's cool about Lacan's program is that once you've got the main layers of the simulated network in place, it's actually pretty easy to train the computer to recognize an object. Um, one thing we can do with this is that we can actually train it in real time. So we can, uh, oh. so so I just kind of, I erased, uh, it's kind of high level memory. You don't remember the movie 2001, you know? the one? I remember. Okay. So here I kind of erased the sort of the top layers. So remember we talked about this multi-level architecture. I erased the top level so it doesn't have any memory. It doesn't know how to associate a category to an object, but it, it, it can still process the object all the way to the top until the last step where it sort of gives a name, if you okay. will. Okay. Okay. So what I'm going to show it now is new things it's never seen before. So I'm drawing a square. Okay. Maybe another square, maybe slightly different. Okay. And I'm drawing something else. Let's see. Uh, it looks like the letter phi from uh, Greek. Okay. Okay. Or a circle with a line. A circle with a line going through it. Yeah. Um, okay, so I'm, I'm going to show the square to the machine. I'm going to tell it, call this a five, number five. Okay. Okay, so now it recognizes the square as a five. Okay. Okay, and I presumably, actually the other square, which doesn't look exactly the same, but it still sees it as a five. As a five, okay? yeah. It's not so sure about it, but it's... <laughs> okay. okay, now I'm going to show it this uh, circle with a line uh -huh. uh, going through it, and I'm going to tell it this is a, I don't know, 
what do you want it to be? An eight. An eight. Okay, so this is going to be an eight. And okay. and the other so one. So Lacan and I have just taught the computer to give a name to a group of pixels it recognizes. In order for it to get really good at recognizing hand-drawn squares, however, we'd have to show it hundreds of different examples. The Lynette system is pretty accurate when it comes to handwriting, but it only works in two dimensions. Lacan has also developed machine vision systems that recognize 3D objects like people or animals, which is actually a lot more complicated. What else do you have? Okay, so I have another demo that uh, now recognizes objects. Okay, so this one, the box full of toys here. Action figures. My little action figures, exactly. And put so we're this little toy airplane on the, on, the, on the floor and point the camera at it. And, and it does it. Accurately an identifies it as a plane. And I have this little G.I. Joe figurine <laughs> here, which I'm going to put on the ground as well. Which it can simultaneously identify as a human. Right, so we have both the airplane and the human in the picture next to each other. So even though the airplane kind of has two arms in a way, right. it, can, it knows the difference between the G.I. Joe and the airplane because That's you've right. trained it using because we've trained it with examples of, of different airplanes it thinks it thinks the cord is a human yeah so <laughs> that's that's the problem with this system which is that it has been trained to classify everything into one of five categories either airplanes humans cars trucks and animals and whatever you see it is going to classify it into one of those five categories um, <laughs> you know if there is a bit of background uh, so if I point it you know at this keyboard of my, my computer for example uh, you know it's going to fire up lots you know, of it cars. Sees cars on it that's <laughs> um, because it's not being trained to really as a detector it's, um, so it, it can be easily confused by lots of texture it's been trained as a, as a classifier so huh. you know only as one of those uh, five categories so do we have technology that's like this that, for instance, isn't just trained to five things, but is... So not really. So first of all, I should say, this is the only system in the world that can do this kind of thing in real time. So there are wow. other systems that do uh, object recognition, but are much, much lower than this. But that's pretty much the only one I know. I mean, this one's really fast. You point it at the plane and within, what, one or two seconds? It no, less than that. It, it runs at, yeah. uh, it, it recognizes something like four or five pictures per second. And it's the only thing in the world that can do this. That's right. Ideally, where would this technology go? So, so this system uses uh, actually a, a sort of five or six years old. This demo is about actually six years old. So it's using the old way of, of, of training those artificial neural nets using purely supervised learning. So what we did was we, we took 25 of those objects, uh, five cars, five humans, five little toy soldiers, basically, five little toy uh, airplanes and, and cars and animals. And we showed them to, to the system under lots and lots of different angles, lots and lots of different lighting conditions, lots of different backgrounds. Mm -hmm. uh, so we generated lots and lots of examples. And when you say lots and lots, how many are we talking uh, about? Well, so the total number of images we have was something like 25,000. For each So object? No, so we had about 1,000 images for each wow. object. Actually, we sort of artificially increase that by putting different artificial backgrounds hmm. behind them. But, but what we do now is, so I don't have a, a demo with a webcam of this, but what we do now is that we use this unsupervised training where we train the system with natural images without telling it what it is. <laughs> uh, and then only at the end, we show it a few examples of each category. And we can uh, train systems to identify maybe about 100 categories. This is for, for web images, so images of objects that come out of the web. It's trained with 30 samples of each of the categories, so it's a very small number of each of the categories. And it gives us the answer about 65% uh, of the time. Which is pretty good. Which is not bad. Other systems actually 
that other people have built that use a lot more engineering into it and a little, a little less learning and uh, inspiration from neuroscience work a little better than that. You know, that's because there is a lot of knowledge that we that we can build into the systems um, as to how they should process the images and things like that. Lacan's system to recognize pictures on the internet is one step closer to his research dream. Well, so the ultimate system we could build would be either an artificial visual system or a complete robot that would essentially learn whatever it needs to learn from scratch. And there are a few elements that we already have. There are a few elements that we think we have a handle on, but we don't quite have yet. And there are a lot of elements that we don't have at all. So for example, so we can train a system to recognize everyday objects within some limits. And, and they do a fairly good job at it, but they're not nearly as good as even a mouse or a rat. But the, uh, the learning algorithms we have to, to be able to build those systems are very inefficient compared to biology. So they require a lot of examples. So if, if, for example, if you want to train a machine to recognize, say, cars from airplanes, you have to show it lots and lots and lots of examples of cars and airplanes. Whereas when a small child or a baby learns to recognize categories like this, with just a few examples, you can figure out what the, what the categories are. And so we're working towards learning algorithms that are able to do this. We call this unsupervised learning. And it would be one step closer to us understanding both our own intelligence and how to simulate it. So next time you're at the bank, give your ATM and Lecon some credit. After all, it can read your messy handwriting. For Science in the City, I'm Alana Rangi. Hi, this is Alana Rangi, producer and host of the Science in the City podcast series. I want to tell you something I bet you didn't know about Science in the City. We rely on your support to bring you great science content every week. From our weekly podcast to our successful event series like the Science of the Five Senses happening right now and our exhaustive science events calendar. Ladies and gentlemen, this may come as a surprise, but none of this happens for free. We know it's a tough time, so we're not asking for much. In fact, $50,000 will fund our podcast series for the year. And if that sounds like a lot, think of it this way. If every one of our 5,000 weekly listeners just gave $10, we'd be set. So whether it's $10 or $100, your donations count. And we definitely hope you think Science in the City is worth giving to. Give today online at scienceandthecity.org donate. And from all of us here at Science in the City, thank you for your support.